Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, and it is the Wednesday before free agency kicks off this weekend. Uh, it is now a 3 p.m. start to free agency. It'll be on Sunday. They're not doing the midnight thing anymore, Andy, which is good. I mean, uh, nobody has to start eating dinner at midnight. No, I mean, like, that's the worst thing about being a true superstar free agent is you end up eating a steak dinner at like 2.30 in the morning. It's not, it's not good for you. By the way, too, uh, some early uh, advertising and, and a plug. Um, we, along with Steve Mason, will be hosting uh, Domingo Gigante, which uh, will kick off as free agency begins on ESPN. Right, it's the sequel to last year's show, Sabado Gigante. Exactly. Which, of course, reflects that this year free agency starts on Sunday. Exactly. Next year, you know what it'll be? Uh, was it Luna? Luna Sigante. Luna Sigante. That's right. Um, all right. So <clears throat> we haven't actually, we've, we've not spoken in a little while uh, in this format. You and I have spoken, but uh, we have not talked about a lot of things have happened since we, we yeah, last recorded. Yeah, unfortunately, we've been wanting to record, but it's, um, it's, it's, our stuff. Yeah, basically, we've been holding down the fort uh, at 710 while a bunch. We don't need to justify ourselves. Well, no, I, you know what? I would actually like to provide an explanation as to why we did not have an immediate podcast to Anthony Davis being acquired. Not big enough deal. <laughs> I mean, you think every time you acquire a transcendent top seven player, top five player in the league, I'm supposed to just run into a studio and record a podcast? No, that's not how this works. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess they have lower standards over like at the Ringer and the Hoop Collective and like what the Athletic, like what qualifies as a quote unquote emergency I, podcast. I am, I am not. <laughs> going to be beholden to your definition of important news. <laughs> Brian is not yet dazzled. I, what else you got? <laughs> I just happen to have a little free time today, and it's like, yeah. this is when we can do it. I'm not I'm not going to stick to your schedule. Yeah, we had unfortunately been kind of stuff to do. We've been wanting to do this. Yeah, things to do. Uh, but anyway, so we, we haven't actually really talked much about the AD trade uh, or the the, the the subsequent coverage of the AD trade has been, in a lot of ways, as interesting as the trade itself. Uh, we'll get into that. Obviously, free agency starting this weekend. Andy, you wrote uh, for the Athletic about you know, a nice list of players the Lakers might want to prioritize. And there's the question of uh, max guy versus uh, of uh, three or four guys that we'll get into. And uh, Jeannie Buss spoke this week, which I and, and she didn't say much, but I still found it interesting. Speaking we'll at about all, we'll is it you know who else spoke? Magic. That's right. Magic also spoke. Um, he approves. Of a very unusual free agent right. potentially we'll coming back to so L.A. I think people, it's D'Angelo. So at this point, Andy, the problem being this far by, we're <laughs> teasing anything like people don't know what it is. Like, the Lakers made a big trade. That's next. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like. Like I said, we've been in radio mode. So right. I'm doing a lot of teasing. <laughs> I mean, you we're, see the summary. We're trying, you know we're we're trying to create about. driveway moments. But yeah, that's true. No, you at this point, you know, you know what's going on. All right, but let's, let's start with the, uh, the AD thing. And what's funny about, like, because so much of the coverage got wrapped up in, like, do the Lakers understand how this works? Like, where babies come from? Um, and the controversy that surrounded it is, like, the fact that the Lakers got Anthony Davis and now have LeBron James and Anthony Davis has kind of been, it's kind of gone by the wayside. It'll come back. People will start talking about it again. But the actual impact of this trade for the Lakers got a little bit lost in the shuffle to me. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. But I, I do think as far as the controversy and the early reporting that uh, called into question how well the Lakers planned this deal, you know, how well they understood the salary cap ramifications um, in terms of how much they're leaving themselves. And then we heard later reports that they were trying to include um, they were trying to include Jamario Jones and were the other it's two. Jamari- they gotta figure out a way to to tra- if if to make this work, they gotta figure out a way to Isaac get Bonga. Isaac Bonga uh, to get to to get to a full max cap space thing. The following needs to happen. They have to get Anthony Davis to waive his $4 million trade kicker. Most people, are, I think, are sort of getting familiar with this, but $4 million Anthony Davis got to give up. They got to figure out how to unload to one team, Isaac Bonga, uh, Jamario Jones, and Mo Wagner. And then they also have to, uh, what was the third thing? No, I think that's it. Those are the two biggies. It's a difference between around 23 to 24 in cap space and 32, 32, which could be the difference in a max player. And there was some question about whether the Lakers plan this out well enough because they have, you know, they eventually agreed, you know, initially to the 
uh, parameters of the deal with David Griffin and the Pelicans, and then apparently we're calling him back to see if it could be expanded. Um, and you and I both thought, like, the the idea that the Lakers flat out did not understand the cap ramifications, or literally the cap. Right, of, of trading, of executing the Anthony Davis trade before... The, the draft versus after their draft pick is signed. Like or, they or, wouldn't, you know, or before July 6th. Well, that's, but that's yes. what that is. And so, like, the idea that they flat out did always seemed a little strange. Right. The idea that they didn't negotiate or try to figure out a way to uh, fight for that. Or that they may have thought expanding the deal would be simpler than it actually Which, is. What, right. It, whatever those questions. It's it's an interesting, like, it became really a referendum on what do you think about Rob Palenka. Yes. And, you know, I, I, Lakers fans got incredibly frustrated. Um, and, and, and I think with some cause that basically too much of the discussion became the Lakers did literally didn't understand how this works. And then once the draft came around, it looked much more like the reporting seemed to say, um, that they understood, but they basically prioritized other things. And then maybe, like you say, either maybe underestimated how easy it be to do other things or uh, just figure they cross that bridge when they get there or whatever it might be. Lakers fans feel like the national media, many Lakers fans feel like the national media is just sort of picking on them, picking on Palenka, kicking the team while they're down. Or even the local stuff. media. Let's not leave them out. Sure. Um, and You and I have both been accused of it. Sure. Among um, you know, among many other people that we work with. Right. And what what I think is fascinating about this is it there's there's the confirmation bias question, there's all kinds of stuff, but also the 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 desire for everybody to fi- to find and this is the you know confirmation bias exactly what they want out of the news. Like even if the the media got this one wrong, and it appears at least some of the reporting, the emphasis was in the wrong spot, and people had to kind of walk it back a little bit and whatever, it doesn't mean that the Lakers were being picked on for the stuff that came before. And this, to me, really emphasized why it was so stupid for the Lakers to be so quiet. Because part of the reason people bought the narrative of, like... Not that they might have not been the greatest negotiators in the world, which is a matter of opinion, but that they flat didn't know the rules is because they allowed themselves to look so incompetent for eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. Stretch it back further. I mean, leading up to this Take it back to the chaos of the trade deadline and everything that happened in terms of the Anthony Davis dealings that became incredibly public. And all these players were, you know, very openly and uncomfortably aware of just how much they were being shopped and just how much, frankly, you know, LeBron was rooting for them to actually get dealt for Anthony Davis. And and just this organization has not projected, I think, very often the appearances of being in control. Mm-hmm. And this this made it feel like another episode where they were just sort of along for the ride in their own dealings. You know, and and we we've seen them not look in control. <clears throat> excuse me, when it came to Magic's resignation and being blindsided by it, even if that's not their fault, that's not something that happens with stable organizations. The coaching search went incredibly sideways in, in a manner that absolutely should never have happened. All these things add up to where you could have a situation. <clears throat> excuse me again, that is not potentially fair to Palinka. But you've also put yourself in a place where this becomes too believable. Well, you just make it believable. It becomes believable and it happens with players where, you know, like the Kawhi Leonard story, which everybody loves, you know, the, the Apple Time, Apple Time thing, which went viral, you know, during the finals. Uh, you know, look up the tweet if you haven't, you haven't seen the story. Works in part because Kawhi Leonard is an empty vessel in which you can fill with whatever personality traits or stories or whatever you want. And so when a comedian comes up with this brilliant semi-parody of an ESPN profile or It was whatever, the athletic. It was the oral history of uh, Kawhi at San Diego State. Right. And it just the 
you know, this great story about uh, him going to a team dinner with the Spurs and he just brings a sack of 12 red apples and eats them with a knife and fork and pops like, what are you doing? And just says, apple time, apple time like that. It's, Eating them with a knife. And right. Fork. It's a comedian. It's, it's not a real story, but it's it's a comedian coming up with it. And it's not it, like every, most people, not everybody. Most people knew it was fake. But it, it works because Kawhi can be filled. Same thing with the same principle with the Lakers, except it doesn't have the same punchline. And this actually. Well, the difference too is Kawhi Leonard seems competent at what he does. Right. There are questions about whether or not the Lakers are. And this is, and we'll just skip to this part rather than coming back to it later. This is why, to me, <clears throat> hearing Jeannie speak at the, uh, the NBA awards this week was, it's a gripping award show, by it, the way. God, it's, it, that's a separate topic. But, <laughs> Yeah. That's why, like, we I got people yelling at me. I said, "Why, why you? I have to say something to satisfy you." And this, that. it was this week was a reminder, at least to me, that it only takes just a tiny bit of normal to quiet things down. It only takes a little bit of response of. Uh, some kind of effort to look like you see what's happening and you are in managing the situation and are, and are in control of it to make people go, okay, at least there's somebody driving the ship. So when Jeannie Buss comes out on the red carpet and she says, we have confidence in Rob Polinka, we've always had confidence in, like things are operating basically the same as they always have here. Linda Rambus has always been a voice and this and that and whatever. It's like, she didn't say anything you wouldn't expect. She didn't say anything groundbreaking. She didn't say anything particularly controversial or anything like that. You just go, okay. It's a quote. It sounds normal. There's a response. Like, we're we're cool, we're calm, and we believe in what's happening around here. It doesn't make all of it go away, but it does calm things down. And if they had done this periodically – over the last eight weeks, the whole thing would be different. And I was just, I was struck by how little normalcy it takes to get back to well, what th- seems like normal. Though I was going to say, though, that that key word is normalcy because Jeannie's quotes were not specific enough to, I think, calm everything down. Like, you know, they, they, she didn't well, in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I mean, in a lot of ways, she didn't really answer any questions. You know, when, when asked specifically what is. You know Linda Ramos's role within the organization. Her response was, "It's the same, same as, as it's always, always been for been. thirty years," which is great. That doesn't actually answer the question, right, and, the, and, the, and it raises the other one, which is, "Well, that's fine. She's doing what she's always done, except there were twelve other people." But also, around. too, you're you're not. I mean, Jeannie Buss, right. you're not doing what you'd been doing for the last thirty years. I mean, like in some ways, she was very evasive. In the way she talked about it, you know, when she said that, you know, we, despite media reports, I've always had confidence in. Rob Polinka, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's essentially that's what, what she, said. she said. The truth of the matter is the media reports have not been that you don't have confidence in Polinka. If anything, they've been that you have too much confidence in him. So, so well, that's what she's, but whatever. Well, it's no, like, but the point is she's you, responding. Oh, sure. No, no, no. There's no question. Like it, it's been far too late in a response of any type, but that also makes it so you have to now say more than you otherwise would to really project, again, the, the next step from normalcy, yeah. which is actually in control. And ultimately, these questions of control and competency and how well the organization is actually being run, and if, if they have the right people in place, they're going to get answered this offseason pretty hur- pretty quickly. Right. And and I, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, don't think, I don't think she can... You can't address the competence question. She can't address the competence question because everybody's going to be like, okay, show me. But it's the other stuff. And like, I, I just, I, I feel like you just, man, can look, it was, you just can look more in control. It was, and look, it was awfully simple. Look less like you're hiding. Right. It was awfully else. simple. Um, all right. So that, that's that. And, you know, the Lakers will have an opportunity to really prove, uh, that their vision of what it is going forward is the right one because, you know, Rob Palenka, God bless him, got the Anthony Davis deal done. They brought LeBron in last year. I have said many times, written many times, that's not the hard part. When you're the GM of the Lakers, um, getting LeBron James to come isn't the hard part. LeBron wanted to come here. The Lakers needed to clear the runway and let him do it. You can screw that up. They didn't. Uh, Rich Paul basically kicked down the door and made it almost 
impossible. Well, for them, last you know. season, Rich Paul slash Clutch, LeBron James, Anthony Davis spent an entire season destabilizing two organizations in to order make to make this happen. Right to eventually make this happen, and again, obviously, Rob Palinka has to find the deal points. But the perception, and probably not entirely far from reality, is Rich Paul deserves as much credit. Like he would be named Exec of the Year well, it's, right now over this deal ahead of Palinka. Well, it's it's just not hard to. I mean, I could execute this trade. You add enough things until David Griffin says yes. That's how, that's right. that's anybody could do that. But these next, you know, this next week coming up, that's where Rob Palinka earns his money, part. and also hopefully, hopefully, we both hope gains your confidence. Um, this is the it gets into the free agency stuff, and what is interesting about the choice the Lakers have to make let's just say they can get up to that 32 million if they if they only have 23 27 choice whatever is it is choices made for them uh, but let's say they can get up there uh, can we all agree that if you can sign Kawhi Leonard you sign Kawhi absolutely Leonard. okay that's a no-brainer he's arguably the best player in basketball yes after that though the anything anything anyone after that I'm including Kevin Durant I'm including Kyrie Irving I'm including everyone uh, becomes a question of should you sign that guy to a max contract or should you uh, split that money up? And the argument is pretty simple. You need players. You need depth. You need more than one thing. Or superstar talent kind of overwhelms those things. So what I want to give you, Andy, is a list. I want you to tell me if you would sign that guy or you would rather split up the money. Okay. Um, and for what it's worth, just to make sure, again, plugging uh, le- and uh, letting people be aware of stuff, I have a piece mm-hmm. up at The Athletic where I ranked my top 14 choices in terms of who the Lakers should be targeting. Um, and uh, just want to make sure people are aware of that as well. Because uh, whoever we get into today, there's going to be details that we don't address. And I want to make sure people read them. Very good. Um, the next guy I think on the list that is is there. There's very very little KD to the Lakers noise, but Kyrie Irving to no. me is an interesting one. Why no on Kyrie? He's too complicated. He is too complicated to mesh with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. He is too complicated in the sense that he is a weirdo. <laughs> he is too complicated to keep happy. Um, I think there are certain limitations he has on the court as great a scorer as he is. He is among the best finishers I've ever seen. In my life, the handles are impeccable. Um, I've got some injury concerns with him as well, but largely it's the Lakers are. This is going to guide a lot of my question. I mean, a lot of my responses, Brian, in terms of the bigger names that you list mm-hmm. off. And I, have, I have a feeling I know where this is going. I, a, get I am a big believer in simplicity in terms of trying to get this thing going because the LeBron era, which still matters, even with Anthony Davis, I mean, it's the whole point of having this thing in place in the first place. It's on the clock, and you've already burned a year. Mm-hmm. And even though I think LeBron and Anthony Davis can play incredibly well together, it's going to take a moment, most likely, to get that working. I want to try to make this as simple as possible. Kyrie Irving is not similar. And they're all, I mean, not, not simple, simple. And a lot of all-stars are not simple, I think even with the talent. This is why, if you ask me, do you would you spend the money on Kyrie first or Kemba Walker first? And I'm not necessarily advocating either one with the max space. I'd actually go Kemba. And the reason is Kemba is 85% of Kyrie or whatever. And I mean that in all the good ways and the bad ways. Like, he's not the finisher that, that Kyrie is, but he's pretty good. He's not quite, not quite the, you know, the handles and the scorer and the shooter, but he's pretty close um he's a really good spot up shooter he can create off the dribble he can do all that stuff so he's most of the offensive player that Kyrie is neither one of them are particularly good defenders so you know whatever is Kyrie a little better I don't know but what he isn't is a colossal pain in the ass like nobody says that about Kemba Walker no he's got a reputation as a really good great guy super gritty works hard will you know I think you would join a group like this with the understanding of what it would mean. Probably could fill in that Chris Bosh role from the backcourt of like the guy who understands he has to be from a glory standpoint, the third guy. Yes. I think he could fill that role. Kyrie, I don't know if he'd be comfortable there. I, so if you have to choose for that simplicity, 
I'd rather spend on what I think is ultimately an overpay because Kemba, people forget, is already, I believe, already 30. He is already 30. Um, I'd rather, for that reason, have the guy who's easier. Just the easier sure, absolutely. human I mean, being if for, to put in my if locker If for room. some reason I was forced to sign one or the other, which is strange. It'd be weird. Um, I would also take Kemba. The truth is I would not bring in either. Mm-hmm. I would not spend the money on either one. All right, so what about Jimmy Butler? Nope. For a lot of the reasons I listed, uh, I mean, you want to talk about complicated to fit in there. He's all, there's also a lot of dribble, dribble to his game. I don't picture him easy well, to he's mesh. Sort of, he's sort of the point guard for the Sixers in the playoffs. I, I, I get it. I just he he's another guy. Although that point is, guards dribble, it's another guy that is difficult to make happy. Um, he doesn't provide any shooting, or at least any reliable shooting. He's not a terrible shooter. But no, he's but he's not. He's shooter. Kemba. The reason Kemba or Kyrie or those guys in part are worth the money as opposed to splitting it up. It's like you do need players. It's because the Lakers need a guy who can create off the dribble. They need spot-up shooting. They need, like, Kemba can do both of those things. Yes. Kyrie can do both of those things. So essentially, you're spending more money to fill more skill sets. It just feels like a long time trying to keep Jimmy Butler happy. Yeah, no, no question. But he's, if I have to choose from a personality standpoint, I think he's actually an easier guy than Kyrie. Kyrie... Kyrie almost feels to me like a guy who is sort of purposefully evolving into somebody who's complicated and difficult. Like you know, that's, you know, okay. that's his deal now. It's not exactly the same thing because I think Draymond can be at times difficult in a totally different way. But I remember you and I talking about how there was a period where I think Draymond Green, it seemed like, was becoming hyper-aware of his own his, persona, his Draymond, his being Draymond right. Green, and, and I think he, I think he's dialed it back in certain ways since then. But there was a period where, yes, it almost seemed like he was going over the edge of becoming like the cartoon persona of what you Draymond what is. Green is. It, it's it's Kyrie Irving is now approaching his life as if his life were being portrayed by Giovanni Ribisi or Paul Dano. Like they're just, it's very affected. Like he's very interested in. The the Kyrie thing. Well, like, like you look at his like, Instagram, like Kyrie, it's, like, it's too much. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on there. It's almost like Kyrie is cosplaying the role of Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, exactly. But uh, I mean, I would not if I had to choose between between the three, I would choose Jimmy Butler if I had to. But I I would not really just because want any Butler provides. He's the such defense. a good defender. He's he a really he can good handle scorer. the ball. Yeah. He can. He's a really good player. I just he's. I don't think he's necessary enough. To get into the issues that go with bringing him into the fold, yeah, I don't think he's necessary. I have warmed up to Jimmy Butler a lot over the course of the season, only because I think, like, when you watched him play in the playoffs, he was really good. Yes, he was. And you know, I I worry about those back end years of that contract. But if you put him on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, it mitigates it a little bit. Like none of those guys ought to have to work. So would you sign him? Yeah, I think I would. Okay, I I would I would do it for Kyrie. I would I not I wouldn't do it for Kyrie because that just scares me too much. Between the injuries and the personality issues, I just I don't want that. I think I would do it for Jimmy Butler. And then you have to figure out the shooting. You have to figure out the other stuff because in the playoffs, assuming that you can get there over the next two or three seasons healthy and relatively well rested, how do you score against? LeBron, when he plays defense, which he does in the playoffs, Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler. No doubt. Like, that is a challenge. No doubt. Um, and if you can find the shooting, I think you can do it. But the Lakers also may not have that choice um, if they can't get all the way up to 30. And then, like, I don't think you do it for Middleton. I actually I, would. Middleton, I would, because he's really simple. He is extremely I'll, – I'll cut to the chase in terms of names – other than Kawhi, who, again, is beyond a no-brainer, there are two all-star slash max or max close guys that I would actually violate my own uh, prioritized role players through right. indeed depth. Clay, I would sign Clay, even knowing the ACL recovery time, because he's so easy to fit into what he you're going to do. The problem is you you can't count on him to be useful next year. I think you can. 
I don't think so. I don't I, think I don't think off an ACL. You're talking February, March at the earliest, probably. Clay, I would be willing to bet on the overall durability of Clay's of Clay's career. Long term, I don't have any worries. No, no, I mean, I, literally I'm, I'm next even year. Ta- I am talking about that too. I'd be willing to bet on his recovery, given how healthy he stayed over the course of his career, and again how simple it will be to plug him into what you're doing. And I consider Chris Middleton basically the A minus version of Clay Thompson. He's a GoBot version of Clay. So those are the two guys that I would violate my prioritize role players rule on. Other than Kawhi, and it does fit into that that simplicity, yep, kind of thing. I mean, the, the trick though becomes for the Lakers and Palenka what happens when you have to divide it up. Because, you know, if you have, and this is, you know, it makes a difference if, if you have 23, 27, or 32, no matter how you're going to do it. I mean, no it's doubt. another player. No doubt. If I had the full 32, I'd be most likely to spend it on depth still, anyway. Still split it up. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, if, if Kawhi's not coming, I don't think the Bucks are going to let Middleton well, go. I don't think any matter. of the three are coming. <laughs> I, th- I find it unlikely that any of the three would end up a mm-hmm. Laker. How you divide up this money is is incredibly complex and the and the thing and the other part of that makes it difficult for the lakers if you are let's say they can get to that max money thing in some ways it's almost better if they can't but if you can get to max money and you feel like you've got a shot like what's the bare minimum of shot at Kawhi leonard that you have before you that you you give yourself three days to see how this plays I would out screw around I mean, you, if unless I really feel good about this, but like if it, if you have a fifty fifty shot uh, at Kawhi Leonard, fifty fifty, okay. I would wait because at that point it seems like you've gone from you know roughly zero percent right. to fifty fifty. But like that every momentum's moving. Every in your step favor. that drops, it's like okay, is it worth is a thirty percent chance at Kawhi? Wait. I wouldn't wait. Thirty percent feels low for all the needs that you like have. if you like, can't get if you can't get basically so like if you don't know you are, you have a really 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 good shot at Kawhi I'm not waiting on the 30th this weekend you're not bothering not waiting long I'll tell you that much I'm not I mean particularly if it seems like guys are getting scooped up quickly I'm not effing around because you could end up with very easily without Kawhi and then without a lot of options for a team that desperately needs depth. The other thing that that really is going to impact this too, a is, lot more, by the way, than you need a third guy. Because let's not forget, Kyle Kuzma, if nothing else, will give you give third you guy scoring. Yes. Um, the other thing that that makes it's a big this, reason why I don't think they necessarily have to build that all star big three. Kuzma's not he's not as good a player as Chris Bosh was for that Miami three. He's not even not as even good close. a player as Kevin Love. Not, nope. But he will give you the scoring. Give you he'll give you a thing. Yes. I mean, he's like the other guys they're gonna go out and try to sign in free agency, if they're not max guys, they're probably gonna give you yes. one thing, maybe two of them. But, but that's why Kuzma's presence really does matter a lot. Oh sure. He's a good player and he's cheap. Um and holding on to him was a big deal in that trade. How the league behaves this year is going to play a massive role and how successful the Lakers are going to be in being able to fill out the rest of this roster. Because there are people who look at what happened, was it two sum- three summers ago right now, right, with the Mozgov-Dang? No, it was the summer of 2016. So that's three three ago, right. So like the year where the cap yeah. spiked and teams went bonkers. It's like $4.1 billion in contracts, most of which turned out to be massive mistakes. <laughs> Like, so much regret. Like, college. Basically, Golden State turned out well. Yeah, <laughs> everyone like else Kevin Durant, regrets. that was a good idea. Yeah. And everybody else basically woke up next to somebody that they really wish they hadn't fallen asleep next to. And it, it, it was really bad. And people are wondering whether or not um, it's going to be a repeat this year. Because there are a lot of teams with a lot of space. Um, and so... People, people have to figure out. Um, do I, you know, do we as an organization, do we spend this money? Do we aggressively use our capsules, or do we learn the lessons of uh, three years ago and then behave more like the last couple summer or summers where money has been pretty tight? How teams answer that question is going to have a massive impact on how successful the Lakers can be spreading this money around, because. If Darren Collison, for example, goes from being a $6.5 million player to a $9 million player, 
I mean, Darren Collison's coming or off a, a season where he made ten. But like, or a t- but people, a lot of people, like we talked Bobby Marks this week with with John and or with uh, Andre Mason. A lot of people estimate Collison around like eight million, okay. whatever. Or if Danny Green goes from twelve million to fifteen million, or you know, and just whatever it is. And if, you and I both. I have a horrible, difficult time I'm terrible at getting this game. a beat on this I'm stuff. I'm terrible at this game. I think a lot of people are bad at it. It's, yes. it's hard to predict. The, suddenly the Lakers go from being able to get three guys to two guys, two guys to one and a half guys, whatever it is. If people are stingy, the Lakers actually could come out with two or three or maybe even four, if, the, if they had in that, in that $30 million range, with some pretty decent players. Look, at the end of the day, the Lakers are just going to have to be very smart, very careful, and very purposeful in terms of how they identify needs, how they target players, you know, who they target first, how you know how they go about prioritizing. They just they, they can't have, be wrong. No, they can't be wrong because this is the last time they're going to have cap space <laughs> for a while. Like they, they I mean, right. unless they, well, it's cap space. It's they, they and. and they don't they because they won't they, have they don't have any draft capital <laughs> like they, they they can't trade anything no this summer they got to hit it right they they cannot have a repeat of what happened with free agency last summer right and now look they have the advantage of not needing to sign guys to one year deals so you can give somebody two years you can give sure. somebody three years and one interesting thing i heard bobby marks espn say this week was that he doesn't think you're going to need four years to get danny green it might be you you some of these guys be even if teams spend a lot of money, they won't necessarily be as generous with years. Sure, that would be a big benefit. Absolutely. Okay, so who are, who are some of the guys, Brian? I mean, let's let's move beyond the stars to uh, like the high end role players, the guys who fill specific roles. Well, which, you may have heard Andy. They need a guard. Yes, they do, and lean at least one guard. I mean, I my number one guard that I would target is Patrick Beverly. If you could get him, I I think Patrick Beverly fills a lot of needs. For this surprisingly team. good spot up shooter, yes, he is that. very good spot up shooter. Very, he can, he's the rare point guard that can competently run an offense, but he's totally comfortable without the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. I looked up his usage rate last year; it's like two, dude. He was twentieth on the Clippers, twentieth as a point guard. Well, he doesn't really, and the, and the reality is, he isn't going to need to operate the offense. No, no, but, but, but the point is, though, if if LeBron needs a couple minutes off, you can turn the reins over to Patrick Beverly without things sure. falling apart. Like, and, you know, he's still a really effective defender. He's a great team guy. He's a great culture guy. He, in a lot of ways, you know, he's experienced. He's been through playoff battles. He's not going to get intimidated by anything. No. Plus, for the purposes of our job, no, he's good. Oh my god, I I like Patrick Beverly. I, I think Beverly's a good idea. I mean, he's expensive. Like the, I look at this. I don't know. I don't I know, actually I, know if he, uh, or how every expensive. every consensus is that I've seen. I mean, again, throw the number out is that he's going to be one of the guys wherever the sort of upper threshold for these types of free agent is. He's going to get that number. He's not going to be a guy that you turn around at the end of the summer and be like. You know, signs for three and oh, 15. Oh, no, no question. He's going to get paid. He's going to get saying, paid at the upper end of whatever any of these yeah, guys are going to get It's just going to be interesting to see what that is. I look at it this way. Like, I feel like the Lakers have, like, a $12 million slot. They've got, like, an $8 million slot and, like, a $4 million slot. Give or take a million sure. in each direction. Yeah. Beverly is the guy that is going to be, like, in that 12 to 14. So that means you're choosing him over Danny Green you're prioritizing him over like Jeremy Lamb, who I think is somebody that ought to get talked about much more than he does um, because he's significantly younger. You know, it's funny. um, In part. Lamb did not end up on my list. And full full disclosure, the most people skip him. They forget. Well, I didn't forget, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I came to realize I haven't seen him play enough to really feel comfortable breaking down his pluses and minuses. He was on like, the fantasy team last year. I've obviously seen Jeremy Lamb play. No, but you're but, not, but watching, as I, you're not right. watching Charlotte Hornets basketball. But, but I that. will say this, though. He has become, like, in basketball social media and basketball Twitter, a guy with growing popularity as a free agent. Mm-hmm. So you may be onto something. Because, in part, he he ticks a lot of the same boxes as, you know, somebody like Danny Green. He's not as good. He's not as good a shooter. Doesn't have the same amount of experience. Um, not the same quality defender, but he is a good defender. Um, he is, you know, uh, certainly a capable three point shooter. 
And I think some of the reason he doesn't get talked about is because his career got off to a really slow start yes, in did. Oklahoma City. And as it's gotten better, it's gotten better in Charlotte. Yeah. Which a is a place that, you know, doesn't get a lot of attention, let's say. So I, I think a guy like that at 26 years old is somebody you could feel comfortable offering four years to three or four years, thinking he might still get a little bit better, can play a good role, and can come off the bench um, as a pretty yeah, capable guy. Yeah, particularly with Charlotte, he thrived coming off the bench this year. Right, and you know, but he was pretty good. As, like You could move him mm-hmm. around in ways that I think are good. So in that slot, I like Pat Beverly. I like Danny Green. I like Jeremy Lamb. All of them kind of do the same thing. These are as good as you're probably going to get in terms of Add some defense to your roster, add shooting to your roster. In the case, except in the case of Lamb, add meaningful experience to your roster. I think, you know, Lamb's been to the playoffs, but not in the same kind of way. Sure. I'd be happy with any of those guys. I think if you could, they all, because they all make sense. They have skill sets that make sense for what they, your the team Lakers needs. have to do an extremely good job this offseason figuring out what makes sense. Like I mean, like and I know that sounds incredibly obvious. Bogdanovich is another guy who fits into he's, that category. He's high on the list that I wrote for the Athletic. Boyan Bogdanovich, who I've actually heard a little bit linked to the Lakers, sure would be, and he's he'll be probably at the upper cost of yes, all. Yes, yes he would be, but he's also like a 50-40-80 guy who plays solid defense. You know, he's good enough that he's not a liability and he's a better scorer and I think, you know, a more versatile scorer than a lot of people realize. If you're going to like the, and again, this is the spot where the Lakers got to be even more right. You know, if you spend 36 million dollars on a player over 3 years or 40 million over 3 years, you better be right yeah. because you know, while it's not impossible to trade a guy who makes fourteen million, and the Lakers probably need somebody on the roster to facilitate trades who makes. 14 we call that million. the Julius Randle spot. Yes, um, another argument for signing three guys instead of one. By the way, is that yeah. you need trade salary no slots? No doubt. They, they got to be right, and I think Bogdanovich makes sense. I think. Uh, Dana Green makes sense. Seth I Curry, think, I think, makes sense. Not at that number. Depends the pro- I mean, look. Seth Curry, to me, again, I'm, now I'm, you're dropping look, down. Skill I'm, set, yes. I'm talking salary, about guys no. who make sense. I, you're going to be having to come up with combinations for salary, and I, and I don't know what they all are. I'm just thinking about guys who make sense that I think could be realistic options as opposed to people who could be realistic options that I don't think make sense. Curry, to me, feels like a guy you got to be real careful about overpaying. Um. You know, so like as you drop down into these tiers, this is where the league behavior gets so important. Like you may need the skill set that Curry offers, even as free agency starts to dwindle and all that kind of stuff. You may really need it. But if you get drawn into and there are other people like Curry more than I do, I think he's a good player, but I feel like he might be the opposite of Jeremy Lamb, where there was so much excitement kind of about the story and about how he really has emerged as a good player and he came back from the broken leg and all this other stuff that he's maybe a little overvalued. The temptation on guys like that to go from $6 million to $8 million or $9 million is going to be really strong. And I feel like the Lakers have to avoid that and make sure you know somebody like Darren Collison makes more sense to me because he provides both the shooting, which is an outstanding shooter, and can serve a, a, a much more of a guard function than somebody like Curry. Yeah, can. Collison, I have one spot on my list ahead of Curry. Basically, every nickel you spend, you yeah. need to find more than one skill set. Yes, I would agree. But but one of the things, though, for me that I liked about Seth Curry, in particular watching him in the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference Finals, he is a better defender than I thought he was. They're all smart guys. It's like J.J. Redick, you know. Um, well, I mean, Redick at this point, I mean, he's smart, but you you have to hide him on defense. You, he's just in this offense. You do. I mean, it's like, you know. But Redick is such a good shooter that at this point, like. if you, But guys like Redick, Curry, but if you put them around other good defenders in a good team defensive structure, yeah. and the Lakers have now, um you know Frank Vogel, who's made his bones defensively as a coach. Lionel Hollins, you know Lionel Hollins, all grit and grind. They're they're rumored to go at being going after Ron Adams in 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 Golden State. Like 
they're going to have, they get all those guys, you're going to have a solid defensive game plan. You can put J.J. Redick on the floor, and while he's not going to guard the other team's best player one-on-one, it's not going to hurt your team defensively. He'll be fine. Um, but the problem with Redick, more than that, is, you know, again, how much are you spending for what amounts to one really good and really important skill set. The good news for the Lakers is, uh, other than maybe Philadelphia, I I would be surprised if at age thirty five Redick can continue, you know, commanding the same. He's coming off a twelve million dollars salary for a multi year deal. I'd be surprised if he can maintain that. But I could I be still wrong. Think he's he's going to know. He's going to be ten. Sure. But, but the difference between ten and twelve. Well, first of all, Philly might little. need to give him more. I, I just said, except for Philly. Philly is right. Philly is the exception because they can go over it, and you know, I, I would be surprised. But again, I'm often wrong about this stuff. I'm so often wrong. It's, the, but Reddick's on my list. It's well, he right. should. I mean, we, the Lakers they they need just about everything. You can other than maybe spending a lot of money on centers like Brooke Lopez. Well, they actually they don't need, need to, but they also don't need to spend money on scoring. And that's really right. important because scoring can often cost you a real premium. Sure. They do not need to look other than outside shooting you could, scoring. Well, they don't need a t- or a guy to kind of serve as a backcourt scorer off the bench. Like that, I think, is a useful thing that they don't currently have. You know, Terrence Ross, you wouldn't sign him to be your starter. No. But you'd sign him to be Lou Williams. Yeah, your, Terrence your Ross poor is man. on the list. Again, GoBots, Lou yes. Williams, to uh, Transformers, Lou Williams. Yes. Um, somebody like that. You need that, but you wouldn't be paying seventeen million a year nope. for Terrence Ross. I hope. Um, this is hard. It is hard. This is really, and the timing of it. Well, is okay, really with the timing too. Hard. Let's let's get to the question of D'Angelo Russell because D'Angelo is a restricted free agent for the time being in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. who, as Kyrie to the Nets, has become both. Uh, a big talking point and a talking point that some people say is in reversal. Kyrie's fate in a lot of ways dictates D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, the, the Nets, you know, their eagerness to keep him, whether or not he actually would have his rights renounced and could become unrestricted. But there has been a growing... It's the only way I think the Lakers could get him. Oh, yeah. I, I, the Lakers, it would be... You can't wait. No, they if, absolutely cannot. The Lakers wait. are rooting for Kyrie to, to say, I'm going to Brooklyn on July 1. Yeah. And then... Basically, when the sixth rolls around, D'Angelo gets renounced. The Lakers can make an offer, and they're good to go. But I mean, but that's actually one of the things that I talked about in my piece is that you know, restricted free agents. I left off my list altogether with the caveat of there are guys like D'Angelo, Malcolm Brogdon, I think even DeLon Wright, who makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just too difficult, especially for the Lakers when they, when they've got to be really careful about everything they do. They don't have the time, I think, the luxury of time to wait these things out for 72 hours after an offer sheet. No, they can't. And even just the larger, that's the same question we were asking before with, um, you know, do you wait if you think, how good of a chance do you need to have at a max guy to make it worth seeing two or three guys that you might otherwise want go off the board? And again, this is why I think in some ways the Lakers would be not better off because you're always better off at a shot at Kawhi Leonard. Well, you're always just better off with more money. Period. Sure, but just clarity, one yes. way or the other. When you don't, you don't have to make the decision is made for okay. them. You know, you. I, I, I like D'Angelo, and I like the idea of him fitting with uh, with um, Davis, and I like the idea. You know, it's a good fit with LeBron. He can run an offense. Obviously, he can. You know, he's not Kyrie at the rim. Um, and his free no, throw actually, rates are he's actually not a good really finisher at all. At all, um, he's a floater guy, and his free throw rates aren't very good. And you know, he's still a flawed player. And you know, when people, you do have to pump the brakes a little bit on the D'Angelo has exploded. Uh, he's an all star now. He made an all star team. Metrics still don't like him. He's a, a good player. player he's a good though. player. And, and you know, from people I've 20, talked with, he's twenty three years. And from old. people I've talked with too, he has done. He's had some maturity. He's he's gained sure. some maturity. During this time in Brooklyn, like that's not just a narrative. And I think the the fact that he'd be willing to come back here shows a certain degree of maturity. And by the way, shows a certain degree of maturity on the part of the organization to be like, yeah, it's you know we don't like Delo's basically said that it's a magic thing. It's not a Lakers. Well, thing. Well, look, I was going to say, I mean, but Brian, 
The simplistic way of looking at this would be, well, now that Magic's out the door and Magic's the one that trashed D'Angelo, remember, said that you know they needed a leader and that's why Lonzo was better suited for that role. Lonzo, by the way, turned out not much of a leader. Which I don't even mean that as a as a shot at Lonzo. Never really had a chance to develop it. No, but he also he's quiet. I've even talked with Lonzo about this, and Lonzo has said, like all things being equal, he prefers to be the guy that doesn't he's say not much. A yeller, by he's, but, he, but he's, you play ninety nine games. You're in and off, on and off the floor. No, I, I, you're a young guy. You're 19 years old. I bring, you need time to develop. Sure, I bring this up more as a shot at Magic than a shot at right. Lonzo. But you know, the simplistic view would be, well, now that Magic's gone, D'Angelo could come back. But as it turns out, Brian, Magic's on board with D'Angelo's return anyway. Magic, Magic's all about it. He's uh, at the NBA Awards right, show, he said, and he told uh, Bill Orm with The Athletic. He's a different guy now. Different guy now. Um Different player, he's more mature, and you know that Magic was serious, Brian, because as he told Bill Orem this, he tapped his right temple, mm-hmm. meaning smart. Thinker, right. Um, I want them to bring back everyone. Like, re-sign Randall, re-sign the, the Jordan Clarkson just moved to clutch. Mm-hmm. Just bring them all back. <laughs> I, I like the idea of doing that, if, if at all possible. Um, I mean, why... Hey, Why everyone? stop there? Welcome on SashaVujacic18.com. He's available. He is available. Sasha's available. Most of the time, no, we still I have beaches. Um, magic, by the way, Brian, he's starting it. to reach like a stalker so relationship with the Laker front office. Like, he cannot stay to, away. It's weird. <laughs> it's real. Like, he keeps commenting on the Lakers situation and like you know he apparently reaches out to Genie all the time like he was encouraging them to go after he's not, Anthony he's Davis not somebody who well yeah but he's not somebody who works well within the system <laughs> it's it's he works better outside the system it's starting to become a little uncomfortable well it's just it just needs to stop talking it would be better if he stopped talking cuz it's at this point it's like nobody nobody can believe the things that you say great job rob Palenka. nobody can believe those things no. um after you call him a backstabber, like you know, twice he just <laughs> twice he's similar in our in some ways to certain officials in our in our government in the sense that just the the ability to completely ignore things that happened two hours ago as if they just never happened. Magic is great at that. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Like all this stuff that we've been no. He's like a shark. He just keeps moving, man. He keeps moving forward. We're all good. But it's 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 both ironic and also but would you weird. But it is. But would you the the other question with Russell though is if they go after him and let's say they have the 24 million that people are looking at. Um do you that's the only guy. Like that's your only it's do you want D'Angelo Russell or do you want two or three people? Cuz if they have 24 million it's gonna. That's you're getting Russell, and then probably not much else. Yeah, I mean, if I've I've seen some people speculate that if Russell ends up uh, an unrestricted free agent, the market might be a little softer than you expect, just because some of the deals that happened around draft day uh, stifled a couple of markets that might have mm-hmm. been there for point guard. Like like the point guard need for Russell might be softened in a way that would be beneficial for the Lakers, right? But, but I mean, let's his say, max is twenty seven, I believe. Lakers aren't going to give probably aren't going to give him that, but again, if if it, if it goes his max is twenty seven and drops to twenty, that's most of yeah, your cap space at that point. I mean, the argument you could make for that with D'Angelo Russell is that maybe you're setting up your big three or you know your top three players moving forward, twenty seven ish or younger with Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, Kyle Kuzma. Like, I mean, and that's basically he's a good player, and like the max thing, I think freaks people out. And the you know twenty million dollars it's like but it's you got to remember LeBron if he were able to make his value would make three times well but here's the other thing you have to remember too let's just say that D'Angelo's progress is real like this last season in Brooklyn is real and it's really indicative of a foundation that's going to be built on at that rate. Twenty million a season for D'Angelo in a couple years could feel below market. That's what you're hoping, yeah, and. This again. This is part of the reason I like Lamb. Like if I, if I have to sign Danny Green to three or four years to keep him, or Jeremy Lamb to three or four years to keep him, uh, to get him, the market's just that hot. Whatever it is, a twenty-six-year-old guy making fourteen million dollars a year feels a lot more appealing to me than a thirty-five-year-old guy. And Danny Green's had a lot of ups and downs. He's great this year in Toronto, but it's not like he was great the last couple of years in San Antonio. 
He was not. Um, you know, so, you know, the, this is, this is the, the conundrum. And I, I don't want to keep beating it. Like, I don't know what the right answer to these things is. All I know is the, the answer, the Lakers can't be wrong. And if they sign guys who don't do what they say they're advertised to do, they sign Lance Stevenson, who ironically, actually the one thing he turned out to do was shoot the ball reasonably well. But they, he's a gritty. He's a great defender. He's a, like 85% of the things that you say about Lance Stevenson in his press conference were dead wrong. <laughs> They're just like, like statistical, easily disproven statistical lies. Like this is not Rajon Rondo. Is it this, that, a good defender? No, he is not. Yeah, I, I he went, is none of those things. I went through uh, the Lakers' own uh, free agents and ranked them in tiers of definitely interested, somewhat interested, uh, if options dry up and we no longer have to play, pay the clutch tax thing, uh, that was specifically about KCP, and then not interested, uh, Rondo and Lance Stevenson no, both fellas do be, not interested. So, like, what you can't do is, is sign a guy. Not interested in either one of them. Kyle Kuzma, for example, if were he on the open market, the, the storyline on him would be young shooter spreads the foot. No. No. He does not do that. He does other things. You better be signing people with this. Is Seth Curry worth? Is Seth Curry at six million better than Bogdanovich at you know seventeen? Let's have a debate about that. But Seth Curry knows how to shoot. Bogdanovich knows how gonna, to shoot. I was going to say both of those guys have track records that are difficult to refute right. as shooters. We know what they do. Do you get eleven more million dollars of value out of the other guy? Let's have the debate. But they do what they say exactly. you're supposed to do. Gets back to what we Don't tell saying. me that Lance Stevenson's a great defender. Don't tell me that Rajon Rondo is a great... You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not putting up with that this year. No, I mean, I'm not and, doing that. But here's the thing. I mean, it, truly, it's not even a matter of us putting up with it. The Lakers cannot be wrong. They just can't. They have to get this right. And if they get this right... They're going to have a really good team. They're going to have a really good team. And a lot of the questions about the front office do start to dissipate because this would represent if Rob Palenka Rob nails, Palenka if doing Rob Palenka nails the offseason, I will be happy to be like, you know what? I was wrong. Guy knows what he's doing. I, I, I waited. I had great suspicion. I have a lot of concern. Still have long-term concerns about the department, but man alive, like this is the hard part. I've been yeah. writing for six weeks. So this is the hard part. He, and if he nails the hard part, Gets all the credit. And again, if he nails the hard part, that's going to be a good team. It's a really good team. And then you can round out with the J.R. Smiths of the world. And we, who, by of. the way, I mean, Chris Haynes reporting that that could be an option if J.R. ends up getting traded to whoever that team's expected to buy him out. If J.R. Smith ends up a veteran's minimum guy, okay, I'm good with that. That's fine. But they're, they're going to round out with a couple of these dart throws. I'd rather they spend that. I'd rather they go after a... 23 year old coming out of the G League than J.R. Smith. I'm just saying conceptually, play, I'm conceptually, fine. I'm not, fine. I'm not worried about the timeout moment or something. No, I'm, I just don't think J.R. Smith's a very good player anymore. He didn't play last year. You know, his, his defensive metrics have dropped off a cliff over the last couple of seasons. The fact that he's a, was a bit of a bonehead in the 2016 finals is really not relevant to me. No. I like, just don't think he's very good. No, I, I wouldn't. And he's zero upside. I, no, I, but, but you, this would be one of those things where if he ends up on the team, that's going to happen after Rich Paul and LeBron James know exactly where his head is you at. Fill, you better have filled out spots oh, 1 through 12. Oh, of course. No, look. J.R. Smith is like your fourth-ish guard. If J.R. Smith is your fourth-ish guard, I'm good with it. Right, but then you just wonder if it's J.R. Smith's going to be happy with that. It's just not, to me, it's not worth it, but whatever. Those are end-of-the-summer questions. Yes. Beginning of the summer questions start this week. Uh, we'll try to come back next week and talk about these things. It's a holiday. Will we, you know what we'll be celebrating next week, Andy? America. Mm-hmm. Um, and free agency. Name another country that does this. That's right. I challenge you. Let people change their lives in such a patriotic week. Yeah. Um, you know what doesn't you know what doesn't give you this type of free agency, Brian? Socialism. That's right. <laughs> Communists. <laughs> Reds. <laughs> All right, that's a good place to end it. Believe in that free agency. <laughs> we'll tell you where you're going to play. They believe in sharing. We're going to tell you where you're going to play, and you're going to like it. And all the players just get spread around the whole league playing for each other. Everybody gets orange wedges afterwards. All right, that's all. Thank you. Bye.